Sashi cookie chick ching me tok chong. your meditation posture, sitting up as tall as you can, and then just relaxing and letting go of the day, being the boss of your own mind. Settling your full awareness, the crown of your head. And then at whatever pace seems right, just slowly scanning down your body, releasing tension, just letting yourself arrive. some tightness or soreness, something like that. If your 
your mind jumps off somewhere else, just relaxing back into the body. It'll happen, it's no big deal. scanned all the way down, coming to rest on the rhythm of breath. And it can be in your whole body, just the abdomen, the chest, the nostrils. Pick the location or area in the body where you can feel clear and present, but not like you're tightening again, or maybe giving a headache, something like that. So you can be relaxed, but clearly present. As the mind jumps off other places, again relaxing into open awareness, settling your mind on the breath wherever you're focusing. the sounds come and go, it's not that you can't hear them, you're just not jumping after them. And 
periodically checking in and seeing if there's tension that's built up somewhere again and relaxing. And landing on the breath again. last few moments, if your mind's wandered, clearly bring it back. Bringing up the best quality of attention you can right now. Making a dedication, starting to move, opening the eyes. doing oh cool oh good oh good did what kind of class did you teach uh like 
like kind of mellow, but like a flow. Yeah. And, uh huh. Mm-hmm. And did you have music? No, I was not trying to uh, complicate things. Because <laughs> I just had a general idea of what I was going to do, you know? Yeah. But I hadn't, like, written anything down. I tried to a little while before, but I didn't. And it just, like, flowed out. Nice. what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I almost listened to the thing. Like, both of I was like, oh, I'll do it this afternoon. And then, uh, <laughs> It's I all know. you, Cheryl. <laughs> I've been meaning to maybe bring in Yeah. We're almost there. The almost there. <laughs> okay. generosity becoming a bodhisattva and it's wednesday february 20th 2019 so tonight we're going to talk about mental afflictions and wrong worldviews things that we are probably all familiar with (laughs) 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 um okay so the root text and the author do you guys remember the Tibetan for the root text? For the Bodhisattva's Guide to the Way of Life? Any of the words? They get weird at the end. It's Jangchub Sempe Chupa La Jukpa. Chupa La Jukpa, that's the part. So say Jangchub Sempe. Jangchub Sempe. Chupa La Jukpa. Chupa La Jukpa. And then in Sanskrit, it's Bodhisattva Charya Avatar. That one's so freaking pretty. I know it is. I love Sanskrit. Sanskrit is beautiful, I think. So Bodhisattva Charya Avatar. Do people talk in that language? I don't think so. I don't know for sure, because I know that, um, I feel like I've heard Jay say that it's not, I don't think it's spoken anymore, but he he knows it, which is really amazing. Where he can speak Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't. I'm not really sure that. I don't know if he knows it like conversational. I think that's sometimes different, but like he knows all these words and can translate them clearly. Um, so who's the root text by? Who's the author? Peace God. <laughs> it's Master Shanti Deva. Oh, okay, that's simple. I knew that. Uh huh. Peace God. Shanti Deva. Commentary, one of Jason Kappa's students. Okay, that's what I thought you were asking. Jason Kappa, but it's um, who? Gyaltsev J. Dharma Rinchen. Gyaltsev J. Dharma 
Usually you just hear Gyaltsep Jay. Um, I think this is his full monk's name. Gyaltsep Jay Dharma Rinchen. And Student of Jade Sankapa. Mm -hmm. And he wrote Entry Point for Children of the Victorious Buddhas, which is code word for Bodhisattvas. And in Tibetan, it's Gyalse Juknok. I know all of the translations of the commentaries, and they're, yeah, it's just amazing. Even in English, they're really beautiful. Children of the Victorious Buddhas. Entry point for children of the Victorious Buddhas. Entry I know. Entry point for children of the Victorious. Oh, and I'm not really sure if that is, because um, I've really mostly just studied Geshe Michael. I'm not sure if that's his translation, because he translates really beautifully, I think. Um, or if that's like the normal translation that you would see anywhere, you know? I'm not really sure. So tonight we're going to go over what an affliction is, and the afflictions are our enemies, mental afflictions. So we're going to talk about, we can sit here and say, do I have afflictive emotions, and why are they the enemy, and then what kind of war we're going to wage against them. So that's what we're going to talk about. And first we'll go into kind of a dry, long definition. And then we'll talk about Master Shanti Deva's plan to wage war against them, which is um, a little more fun. Okay, so say Nyanmong. 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 Does this look smaller than normal to you guys? I thought I sized it all this. I like I always size it at 18, maybe. but it looks smaller. Because it's closer. Yeah, maybe it just needs to be back more. Boom. That's a little bigger. <gasps> oh, we almost done this. <laughs> so Nyanmong is mental afflictions, bad thoughts thoughts which harass you, and the Sanskrit is klesha, which I think I always say this, but for some reason, like, I love that word in Sanskrit, which is kind of sick, <laughs> but klesha, it's just like, I don't know, it just sounds so great. <laughs> it's from the Sanskrit root klish, which is to bother, bug, disturb, distress, or harass you, so it's a thought which harasses you. And if you think about, like, I've had thoughts like this recently, so it's really easy for me to think about. But, like, the ones that just, like, harass you and they won't let go. Not that the more subtle ones aren't mental afflictions, but, like, those strong ones, I think we, we can get a really clear sense of what they are. I'm glad now just to have the frame of the word harass. Because it feels yeah. like you can now label that as a harassing thought and be like, oh, you're here harassing me again. Yeah. You big like, jerk. Like, leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then say Semhu. Semhu. Mashiwar Jepe. Mashiwar Jepe. Semjung. Semjung. So Semhu is mind stream. Mashiwar Jepe. No peace makes. 
and Sen Jun is thought. So this is the definition of a mental affliction, which is a thought which ruins your peace of mind. So if we want to check if we're an arhat yet, we just have to see if we ever have thoughts that upset our peace of mind. And just thinking about it, like what would it be like to never feel jealousy again or never feel hatred again, even slight irritation, never again? It would, it would be super peaceful. Your mind would be quiet, happy. And that would be reaching nirvana, which is removing all of your mental afflictions forever. And mental afflictions, the reason they hurt us is because they make us unhappy. They ruin our day. They ruin our peace of mind. Um, their function is to ruin our day. As long as we have them, they make us unhappy. And there's no unhappy state of mind which is virtuous except for one. Do you guys know what the one is? It's, there's no unhappy state of mind which is virtuous except for one. So think about the four powers. Starts with an R. Regret. Mm -hmm. So regret. It's other than regret. There's no virtuous, unhappy state of mind. So regret is when we wish we didn't do something bad that we did. Basically, we said something bad to someone. We did something embarrassing, like flip someone off when we're driving, or something like that. And that regret, I wish I hadn't done that. That's a virtuous thing. But any other unhappy state of mind is a non-virtue or bad karma. And every time your mind is the least bit unhappy, it's bad karma. Unless you're regretting something you did that's negative. And someone said to Gelsub J. You shouldn't have attachment to the path and to getting out of samsara. And you shouldn't hate your mental afflictions. So you should have no attachment, no hatred as a Buddhist walking the Buddhist path. And what Gyaltsev J said is, yes, of course you should hate your mental afflictions and want to get out of samsara. Like, obviously. But I think there is this idea that we should that we're not supposed to hate anything or, um, or have attachment to anything. And we'll talk about that more tonight, but that's, I think, I mean, I think we probably know that's not the point. Now, if you, or, okay, you're saying, if you have um, anger, okay, like anger towards something, <laughs> I was angry at um, the. I was feeling a little bit upset, and I was thinking when um, the 
construction next door and there were claims loud, um, you know, Hispanic music and, and I'm like, oh, I can't stand that music and I can't, and they're just like talking so loud and I can hear all this stuff and I'm just like, God, what did I do? Or like, should I be feeling like regret of like, oh, I did something, like would that, what should I what did what did you do that that didn't feel right But what I've been doing recently, which is really helpful, is like when I'm feeling irritated at something, is to mentally try to find where it is. Okay, where is the irritation? And like hold on to it without it moving. And you can't find it because it's not there the way we think it is. It's just, you know, a habit coming up from the past or a karmic seed ripening for frustration and we're pasting it on top of the music and the voices because if it was really from its own side on its own irritating then they would be irritated by it everybody who heard it would be irritated so like I've been doing that recently and that really helps like mentally where is the irritation I'm going to find it and like trying to find it within the experience and then it kind of takes you out of the anger too but at a certain point not it doesn't take very long you don't find it and there's kind of like a it just feels like freedom or like availability or um like this bright openness kind of do you know what i'm talking about am i like understand am i explaining what i'm doing i don't know if i am very well but yeah it's like so if you think think of the annoying music and the voices and all those things, and then in your mind, like, look for it. Where is the annoyance? Where is it coming from? And see if you can find it. Okay. And so it's kind of like a, not kind of, it's a meditation on emptiness. And that, that really helps me. Because it's not, um, it's not necessarily bad. Well, it's not that you have frustration coming up. Because that's that's just a habit from the past. You can't really, you can't really change that coming up. But then what you do in response to it, you have the power over that. Because the, I mean, initially it would probably tag it to, oh, I'm trying to sleep, and you are making all this noise, so I can't. They're doing, like, this is, like, in the middle of the night or something? Like, 7 in the morning, and I'm, like, oh I don't work till, today I didn't work till 12, and then, so <laughs> I stayed up, <laughs> but then I'm, like, now I have to get on the schedule where I'm getting up at, like, 7 o'clock, so I'm not trying to sleep while they're, but then I don't work till sometimes 
later. So now you have to get the seven because they're doing the construction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean that you don't say something. But the, it's like the anger and the irritation. You're just planting seeds for that down the road. So even just thinking of that, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to plant those seeds. You can still say something to them if, um, if you want to, you know, like if you think they're, that something's not right and it's too loud and it, at an hour of the day when it shouldn't be, then ask them if, the, if they'll turn it down. But it doesn't mean that there has to be like anger in it because it'll just come back to you in the future, you know, like, like they don't even know that you're sitting over there <laughs> annoyed by them, you know? <laughs> they don't, they have no clue, they don't care because they don't know. Oh, is it the noise yeah. ordinance or whatever it is? Yeah, I think that's I think that's crazy early too. It's just people have different schedules. Mm-hmm. And I just keep ending up in noisy places, and I'm thinking, okay, what can I do to stop? Because one time I had a noisy neighbor that would slam the door so hard it would shake all the walls. And then I would think, okay, I'm just going to not slam my door back at her. And That's then, good. <laughs> That's a good place to start. It is. Because I'm thinking, like, dang, I'm doing so good. Like, I don't, I try to walk softly on the floor, you know, always at all my, like, I've never been that type that would, like, walk hard and, like, make sure... Everyone's like, you know, I'd be conscious and then be conscious, you know, but I'm like, yeah, well, those are, those are really good seeds to plant that in the future you'll, you'll have quietness of some kind. It's just, these are ripening from the past. So maybe doing some purification, like specifically for that, like you can do the four powers over and over and over for it. But I was thinking also, um, uh, I think harsh speech could be the cause for that too. So like, um, how would that, like just, you know, like making an effort, I, I think even to yourself in your head, like yeah. speaking kindly and like mm-hmm. with like kinder words, it doesn't mean that they're not they're not stern at some point, but it's from a place of kindness or that you're not like telling someone no, you know, like it doesn't mean that you're just a doormat, but I think, I think harsh speech can cause, can cause that too. So like maybe look out for, it could just be from the past. So you do some purification, but maybe look out for any way that you could be bothering other people. Maybe not even, like, maybe, do you have no idea? Not even, like, noticing, you know? Yeah, I do notice. I, I, I do. I mean, like, I that you can control, because sometimes, you know, we can't even control it. It's just, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 But, yeah, it doesn't mean that you don't, that you can't say anything. 
but um, just try to say it kindly as like as much as you can like not when you're really irritated mm-hmm. yeah and if they're allowed to to make noise at that time I mean you can ask them and they can say no yeah like do you mind turning the music down a little when sleeping I hate doing stuff like that I never say anything to anybody it's like the worst especially in your house if someone's like noisy or a neighbor's noisy never say anything <laughs> like I would call the cops before I say anything to anybody honestly yeah because it's just like I don't want them to know because like they live right by me you like you never know what someone's gonna do they could go crazy they could just be like oh yeah totally sure yeah they could I had yeah I had um that neighbor that slammed the door I had confronted her and I was like hey and it was nice, you know. Hey, do you think you could um, close the door a little softer? Because it really it shakes my wall. And um, and then she's like, okay. And then she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an automatic thing for her. Like she's just so used to slamming. Right. I know, but I mean, you try to work at all different angles. Like you say something <laughs> in the situation. It's not like we never say anything to someone just because we're trying to practice Buddhism. You say something, and you do karma cleansing, and you think about emptiness. Like, you don't just do one thing. You know, you're doing it, like, all directions, and then um, at a certain point, it'll it'll shift, too. Once you, like, hit, hit the nail on the head, like, right where the cause is. That's why karma is so difficult and so deeply hidden that only Buddhas see it, because... We have no idea what the karmic causes of things. If we knew, we could purify that directly and be done. Or we could just, you know, plant the seeds all the time and be done. But we just, we can't see it. So that's why we have the vows to guide us and and show us what, and tell us what to do. Because we just are like yeah. in the haze, you know? <laughs> the haze of being human. Yeah, human the human haze. haze. Um, so the Abhidharma Kosha says that there are karmic ripenings and non-virtues this is kind of what we're talking about a traffic jam or um, the people next door being loud is a karmic ripening and then everything we experience is a cause and a result so every cause is a result. Every result is a cause, like for the next thing. And so the habit of getting angry, either in the traffic jam or when the people are being noisy, that is the ripening of a past karma. So from that point of view, it's a non-virtue. But from the point of view of it being bad and disturbing your mind, it's a new karma. So If you're in the traffic jam and you feel angry, then it's a bad karma. So in the present, you're like planting that seed again. And arhats, so when we've seen emptiness directly, um, and when we're in nirvana, we'll still feel pain, 
actually just when we're in nirvana, that's what we're talking about. We'll still feel pain, but not anger or unhappiness. So it doesn't mean that things aren't still coming up. We just won't have that same reaction to them. So what happens more, like when we're out of the wheel of suffering, we'll feel some pain and we'll feel regret for the past deeds that caused it, which is a virtue. So it's really different than how we experience things now. So we can kind of practice for nirvana that way by, yeah, anger is going to come up. Crappy things are going to happen. Even in the time of the Buddha, he had crappy things happen in his lifetime. But did he feel upset by them? No. So they're still coming up, but he's, you're in, where we would be interacting with them differently. It's like, oh, I planted that seed. Dang. You know, I, I regret that. I wish I hadn't done that. So you experience the pain, notice it, and somehow, like, have regret for the thing that caused the pain, even though you don't know what that is. And so you shift, yeah. that's how you shift out of the experience. Or that's how you shift the experience. Like, you're still in it. So it's still, you're still feeling it. It's not that, so it's not like a way to bypass what we're feeling, but it does shift it. It does change it. Definitely. Yeah. Or at least I imagine. Yeah, so because it's like the idea of, if we, if we knew always where everything came from, we would never react the way we do most of the time. Like, if I knew um, my boss is yelling at me, oh, I yelled, at, I yelled at someone in the past. That's why this is happening. If I knew that in that moment, I would never yell back. I know yelling caused this. I would never yell again. You know, like, oh, I think Yasha Michael mentions this in this class. It's like the idea um, to diet and lose weight um, you just have to eat whatever you want. So it's like completely opposite. To lose weight, usually you have to eat less. You know, to like, go, I'm going on a diet to lose weight, usually I'm going to have to eat less. But it's like taking it and going completely opposite. I'm going on a diet, I'm going to eat whatever I want. And it sounds dumb because it makes no sense. And that's usually what our response is to things. They make no sense. Because we're not... We can't see the workings of karma yet. We can't see... You know, I haven't. I haven't seen emptiness. I can't see how karma is working. So we have to rely on our intellect, which can get us very far. So it can really help. It can really help. We can start to see... Angry boss... This was caused by anger in the past. This was caused by yelling. The last thing I'm going to do is yell or get angry. That would be, that would be the stupidest thing to do. It's like I know if I take this knife and stab my hand, it's going to hurt, but I just keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It really, it's really like that once we start to... To look at karma and emptiness more and um, Lama Maru talks about this and I love this analogy 
I never loved it. I didn't love it at first, but he talks about the burning coal. And it's like, um, this is like how we're living our life, that you're holding this burning coal and you're like, oh my God, it hurts so bad. Someone's like, here, you know, give it to me. I'll take it for you or drop it. And you're like, no, it's my coal. I'm not dropping it. <laughs> he has like so many great analogies. <laughs> I'm not going to let go. Because <laughs> yes. this lady, like, I, there's so many people that will come, well, there's one lady, I just remember her specifically, she was like, oh, my hair's so thin, um, I've tried everything to just get rid of, to get more hair, and um, I was like, well, <laughs> and I just had thought, uh, I was thinking about, man, I wonder, you know, where does that come from, you know? That's great that you're thinking that. Where can you, I mean, she, she tried all these products, you know, but I'm like, what could you even, you can't really say anything to them. No, 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 you can't really. I mean, like, <laughs> karmically, unless it's like, I mean, you can, but yeah, unless it's something like someone's complaining about someone and you say, well, why don't you try the opposite and like get them a a present or something, you know, or like (laughs) something like that. But with that, I think, well, I kind of go back to the feelings. Like, was she feeling like embarrassed that her hair's thin or frustrated or like, you know, and then I think. I think it goes back kind of like to the feeling. Mm -hmm. So like purifying that, like when have I, when do I feel like I've embarrassed people about their looks or, or, you know, something like that. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I was really thinking, oh, maybe you just did something to someone's hair. (laughs) It could be. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's karmic seeds. Like, I did nothing to have the hair I have in this lifetime. Nothing. It's, it just grew this way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we, we kind of think that way. We think, like, other people did something to make this happen to them, you know? But they didn't. In, you know, in one sense, they did in a past life, most likely. But, like, if it's something physical, it's from a previous life's karma, you know, different seeds ripen in this life that that cause things, but it's not like um, I did anything to look the way I look. I looked this way because I had the seeds from past life, like all of us, you know? But then what about the change of becoming a Buddha, a Buddha, and you change, you know, into something that is, like, different, you know, you're changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody, yeah. Everybody can change into any other form. And I think we're talking about this later tonight, too. But so seeds are ripening. 
at 65 times, I believe it's a millisecond. That's like how many seeds are ripening. It's wild. So one of those finger snaps and one of those, our projection can change of what we're seeing. If we have the seeds, we could see, we could all of a sudden see ourselves as a Buddha. That's because it's completely empty of any self-existence, any part of me, any part of the whole world. And so anything else can project onto it, which does not mean that it's not there, just means that it's available to be something else. So it's not like self-existent and static and stuck, which is really good news because then we can transform it. So with the arhats, they feel pain, but they don't have anger. So then they're not creating a new bad deed by getting angry in the present, which that's what we want to get to, where we catch ourselves before we do that. So then it's almost like it's purifying the, neg Hello. the negative from the past when it comes up, and then we're not planting another one. Um, I think we could go through this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, these are the generals of the enemy. Okay, we're going to fight the enemy. These are all the generals. The top six mental afflictions. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Number one, say Duchak. 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 This is liking things ignorantly. Usually called desire or attachment. So for this to be a mental affliction, and therefore a non-virtue, you must like a thing which you see as self-existent in your mind. You like something self-existently and you don't want to lose it. To be a mental affliction, we have to be misunderstanding the object. And then this also implies that we would do something negative to get or keep the things that we like. Or to get something to go away. We would yell at someone because we're pissed they're yelling at us and we want them to go away. Like that would be the cause for them going away. So this prevents, this prevents people from saying things like it's wrong to like nirvana and that a Buddhist should just stay in suffering and reach some equanimity about it. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, and there's this way of presenting Buddhism where it's like the result is that you don't care about anything, you don't want anything, you don't dislike anything. Um, and it's completely crazy because of course Buddhas like sentient beings. They like paradise. They don't like, they don't like hell. They want to help sentient beings. So they have likes and dislikes. It's not a mental affliction to have likes and dislikes. That's not what we're talking about. It's when we don't understand it. We don't understand how the objects that we're seeing exist. And then we would be willing to do something bad to get it or to get rid of it. 
that's when it becomes a negative, when it becomes a non-virtue. So there's a big distinction between liking something and liking something ignorantly. And I don't think we're, I don't think we're really clear on this point. I don't think I am, actually. Like in um, everyday life. So we're not trying to reach a state where we don't like or dislike anything. You don't see like a picture of a Buddha in paradise filled with all this crap and then some nice stuff and they just have no preference. That's not the goal. That's not where we're trying to get to. And this is, this is kind of how it's described in some places. And it's just not the case. So it's not learning to put up with crap in a good way. Like, why wouldn't we like nice things? What's, why is that necessarily bad? And ignorantly means, um, Geshe Michael gives this example, which I think is a really good example. So um, I think it was the Three Jewels. I think it would have been what that group is called in New York where he was teaching these courses. And um, they ordered this really nice computer online, and it was a steal. It was like a total bargain. And they got it, and the serial number was scratched off on the back. Mm -hmm. And they had this big discussion, like, how did we get this computer from Good Karma? That's how we got it. So if we get a stolen computer... It's a mixed thing because we get a computer, but we're also involved in chain of stealing. And so we want a computer that we got on it that you get honestly, where there's no bad karma attached to it at all. So what they did is they called the company and they tried to figure out if this computer had been stolen. And ignorant liking in this situation says, "I got the computer. It's not my fault." Um, it, it was way cheap for some reason. But I don't care. I like it, and I'm keeping it. So it thinks, the ignorant liking would think that the computer came from the $1,000 that you paid. That that's why I got the computer. But really, it came from giving things in the past. So it would be crazy to take a stolen computer because it'll lead you to not getting the things that you want in the future. It'll plant the seeds for that. So is it a mental affliction to like Buddhahood or like Nirvana or like these things? And it's, it's not. So the distinguishing thing between stupid and smart liking, we'll talk about it a little bit more um, next week, but it's not that we can't enjoy a good dinner. It's not that we can't enjoy good friends. It's not that we don't like suffering. We, there are these things happening. It's just that we're not doing it in an ignorant way. It's that we understand that it's a result of our past karma. The good things we're dedicating to all beings. We're thinking of it as fuel when we're eating this delicious meal to serve others. Or when we're buying a great new house. I'm doing this so I can serve other beings better. So I can serve people in my family. So I can... Um, you know, I'm dedicating it to all beings having shelter. Every, you know, everything that you can think of. 
And then two, say contro. 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 And this is disliking things ignorantly. I think we'll try to get through this page and then we'll take a break. Um, this would also be called anger or hatred. And we, we were kind of just talking about this example, but in order to remove our yelling boss, we yell back at them. Or anyone yelling at us, we yell back at them. So the problem with that is we're planting the same seeds as they're ripening in the moment. We're planting seeds to have someone yell again. And we know it's, it doesn't necessarily work. Well, it doesn't work. It seems to work sometimes. Sometimes they go away if we yell back. Sometimes if we yell back, they get even more annoying. Sometimes if we yell back, they just stay the same. So the yelling doesn't cause them to go away. It's just what it's doing is planting seeds for more yelling people in the future. So if we really saw that, if we saw, okay, if I, I do this, I'm planting the exact same seed again, we would never do it again. So that's the huge plus for seeing emptiness directly because we, we can see directly this is how things work. So most of what we do throughout the day, we would never do it. <laughs> and how many times in a day do we do this? Even just maybe on like a a subtle level, maybe even just in our mind, as we get better and better at practicing, we're probably not doing it as big as before, which is really good. But if karma is true, then most of what we're doing is just bringing the exact back to us, the exact same thing back. And does that mean, like with what Cheryl was talking about, does that mean that we don't say anything, that if the boss comes in and abuse it, it abuses us, that we just don't say anything about it at all. And it doesn't mean that. Um, it means we don't say anything out of anger or act the same way back to them. It doesn't mean we don't stand up for ourselves, but not with hatred towards them. Just like, so not ignorantly disliking them, intelligently trying to help them. So you, you're not hating them. You can see them and say, this sucks, like they're stuck in this. They're stuck in their, what seems to be mental affliction right now too. I'm going to try to help them get out of it. So try to stop them is a good karma if we're doing it in the right way. So it may be the best thing to say sometimes, to say something rough to get someone to cool out, but not out of anger. And it's, it's really tricky. Most of our karma is mixed. We have some good intention and some bad mixed in there. Um, these are the examples that Gesha Michael gives. Like, you meet the man of your dreams, but he has bad breath. Or uh, you lose your job one day, and you're like completely devastated. You have no job. And then the next day, you get the job of your dreams. Most of the things that happen to us and most of the things we do are mixed. They have like, you know, they have good and bad in there. 
Okay, number three, say Nagyal. 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 This means pride. Literally, I the king. <laughs> Which I think is so great. It's like the perfect description for pride. I the king. Feeling like you're better than others based upon real or imagined qualities, which is kind of humorous. So I'm walking around thinking I'm better than other people for a reason that's not even true. (laughs) So this isn't saying self-confidence or pride which uplifts and motivates you is a bad thing. Those those are good things. Um, It's those are more similar to rejoicing and true goodness. But this is talking about pride where you're really full of yourself and you treat others badly, arrogantly, condescending, that sort of thing. And I, I think I did this a lot when I first started studying Dharma towards, towards other Dharma students that I studied with at that time. So it's pride about what you've learned which is really common in Buddhism and is the worst thing. So pride afflicts our mind and karmically it leads to stupidity and dull mental faculties. So it would be better to focus on the impermanence of all your good qualities. Everything we're going to lose And from the point of view of emptiness, it's completely crazy and backwards to be prideful about our beauty, our intellect, our physical strength. Because usually, you know, usually we're prideful about one of them. At least something. Like maybe I'm not hung up on my looks, but my intelligence, I can keep that. You know, like I'm prideful because of that or something along those lines. Hmm? That's okay today. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like an example. Okay. Like okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not hung up on that one, but my but my intellect, now that's one that I'm going to keep. You know, or like I'm always going to have looks or whatever it is that we think. Mm. Like everything every good quality we have is impermanent, but we don't think all of our qualities are impermanent. Right. Like, I did something to get this quality, too. I caused it. Other people are... I caused my intelligence, and other people are just dumb. And so... (laughs) So I have to show them, you know? Or that would be, like, the ignorant part of it. So our understanding or our intelligence came from not being proud. The ability to think clearly is a result of keeping your morality. If we're doing some wrong things because we're proud about our intellect, it's the best way karmically to be stupid later in this life and in our next lives. Your IQ will start to drop. If you engage in that. If you're, if you're feeling proud about your intellect, it, it'll be the cause to not have it. And I think I've felt this in my studying, like, when I first started studying, my mind was super, super clear and sharp. And I had a lot of pride, and I think I lost a lot of that. So 
So you'll, you'll kind of notice these types of things as you're studying longer. So be really careful with, with pride, um, especially related to Dharma teachings and Buddhism. Number four, say Ma Rikpa. Ma Rikpa. Ma Rikpa. This one is ignorance. This is not the same as in the first link of dependent origination. This one means not clearly understanding things like the laws of karma. It doesn't refer to seeing things as self-existent. So we're going to get to the ignorance, which is the root of all suffering, a little later. Um, number five, Tesom. 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 This is doubt, um, lazy doubt. Um, okay, yeah. This will just be a few more minutes. Um, this is not analyzing and evaluating things with your mind. As a Buddhist, we're supposed to be skeptical. It's, it's kind of easy to fall into to fall into not being skeptical too I think the longer you practice so it's a good reminder it doesn't matter if a teacher has on robes they have their head shaved the flyer says they've been the teacher of his holiness the Dalai Lama everything they say it's your job to check out they must be making sense to you being skeptical is what a Buddhist should be. Don't trust the flyers or the reputation, but trust what makes sense to you. So if it makes sense to your personal experience, it's consistent to what others, um, to what other things they say, and you can prove it to yourself. So you want to really check it out. And while you're checking it out, we've said this a lot, but don't diss it while you're not sure. That's very important. To do too and it doesn't mean that you're skeptical in a disrespect like a disrespectful way to the teacher it doesn't even have to be outwardly it can just be in your mind so you can still be respectful and kind and um, you know acting appropriately towards the teacher but in in your mind you're always questioning everything and if there's things that don't seem to make sense and you just shelve it and you come back to it later. So a teacher says one thing you're not totally sure about, but everything else sounds right, then okay, I'm gonna shelf this one thing and I'll come back to it at a later time. I think that's a great idea just in general. Like if we're feeling um, really upset about something, I'm gonna shelf this for a day and come back to it. I'm going to shelve it for an hour a week, maybe, I mean, maybe a month, and come back to it when I have, like, a fresh mind. Teso means it's a doubt where we're just too lazy to make up our mind. And most of our doubts are probably lazy or just because it's inconvenient for us and we don't like it. Most of our doubts in Buddhism. So we don't accept and fully pursue a teaching or a practice because we're too lazy to really find out about it, investigate it, um, to pursue it actively. 
We just don't feel like making the effort to clarify things because then we'll have to act on it. And especially when you get into the secret teachings, you have to make up your mind. There's a lot of vows around your Lama. So you just have to make up your mind and do it. But to say, you know, after, after you've checked something out, to say sometimes I will and sometimes I won't because you just don't feel like working on it, that's what this is talking about. And most Dharma questions, you can work it out in your mind in about 30 minutes. And you'll find this if you try because they're true. And I've found this when I've worked them out in my mind. I always come to the conclusion that the teachings have taught. You know, I'm not like, I'm not keeping it in mind. I'll, I'll truly work it out for myself. But I come to that conclusion and it doesn't take very long. And then when you do that, you'll completely wipe out Taesom. And then number six, say Tawa. 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 And that is wrong view. And then we'll go into that more um, after we take a break.